0: Hey everyone, in case you haven't noticed, we live in some confusing, challenging, and changing times. It sure isn't easy to follow Jesus in 2021. How can we stay grounded in our faith, stay true to biblical convictions, and how can we become more like Christ and share him with the world around us? This is Real Christian Talk with Pastor Steve. Welcome, and thank you for joining me on this week's episode of Real Christian Talk. In the last few days, the most polarizing, controversial, complex, and sensitive topic that continues to evoke the strongest emotions on either side of the political and ideological divide in America has yet again surfaced in recent days and that is of course abortion thanks to the recent law that was upheld at least temporarily by the supreme court's decision from texas to not intervene in the uh in the implementation of that law yet again abortion has suddenly up front and center become a major topic and in the last few days whether it's on social media or it's in the news it's very clear which side people are on on this very difficult sensitive and controversial issue. Nonetheless, it's a topic that we as Christians who claim to believe the Bible and believe that life is a gift, that life is a miracle, and that every human being is created uniquely and sacredly in the image of God need to discuss. And so I'm going to read from Proverbs chapter 31, verses 8 and 9, which simply say this, Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth and judge righteously. Defend the rights of the poor and of of the needy. That's a powerful biblical passage which places a spiritual obligation for all of us who follow Christ to basically be willing to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, to look out for those who are being mistreated, for those who are being oppressed, and for those who are being harmed. And I can think of no class of people, no part of the population that Proverbs chapter 31 verses 8 and 9 is more applicable to right now than the unborn. Since Roe v. Wade was decided in 1973, millions, millions of unborn have been systematically killed. Under the guise of health care, reproductive rights, And choice. It is a sad commentary, for as Mother Teresa once said, a nation that kills its children in the womb has truly lost its soul. And I can think of no greater stain on our nation, no greater immoral evil that is continuing to be perpetuated right now than that of abortion. And yet, it's easy to simply put a bumper sticker in the back of your car. It's easy to demonize those on the other side who feel differently. And it's easy to forget that abortion affects the unborn child, it affects the mother, it affects the father, it affects family dynamics, and God only knows the potential destiny that it affects by the lives that are cut off so tragically short. It's easy to allow abortion to be reduced to a purely political, ideological, or cultural clash which we engage in on social media or that we engage in at the ballot box or that we engage in by by, uh, showing up at protests, waving signs. But the reality is that abortion is about life. It's about lives, and it's a moral imperative now more than ever before for God's people to respond to this moral tragedy with compassion as well as conviction. As with all other difficult and controversial subjects, it's easy for us to forget the humanity and the compassion that Jesus Himself exemplified as God being man, walking this earth. The Bible says on more than one occasion that when he when he would look out and see people who were harassed and helpless, he would purposefully have compassion and reach out to them, showing them his love. And so sadly, I see people's emotions and I see the ugly side of, of this debate, perhaps the most, even over some of the other very difficult, controversial subjects that are always at the forefront and center of the culture clashes that we are engaged in on a regular basis. And yet I really felt it on my heart to remind all of us this week as Christians as to why we simply cannot sit this one out. We simply cannot refuse to engage in discussing and, and reaching out in love to those who who are either contemplating an abortion, who've had an abortion, or to those who are simply attacking the unborn. Uh, we need to respond. We simply cannot sit it out. And all of us who believe in Jesus Christ and who believe in the Bible as his word, well, we all should care about life because... Because God certainly does. I remember growing up in the church, getting saved as a young Christian um, at a young age. Always hearing about, of course, the pro-life debate, the pro-life versus pro-choice, you know, clash over abortion rights. But of course, as a high schooler, it just didn't quite get through to me too much, or or really, uh, you know, affect me in any way. I didn't really care much about the issue. Uh, it was just another issue, and I knew as a Christian, the the biblical way for me to believe. Uh, on this topic was to be pro-life. But I will never forget attending a youth rally many years ago in Baltimore, Maryland, when I, as a high schooler, along with at least 10,000 others, perhaps even more than that, heard from a female speaker from the stage who really spoke an inspiring message motivating all of us, motivating our our generation to rise above the, the expectations of our culture and to live for Christ, to live unashamed and 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 sold out for the Lord. And I, I just will never forget how much she uh, spoke into our lives at that moment. And, you know, all of us were so inspired by her. And then towards the end of her presentation, she got a bit quiet and she talked about, she talked about a young woman who in the early 1960s had been raped um, at a high school dance. And she talked about how that woman uh, seriously contemplated uh, abortion and whether or not she could she could continue having that pregnancy and in the end that woman did give birth to to her baby and the female speaker then of course revealed to all of us that she was the product of that rape and i will never forget the goosebumps i still get when i think of when she yelled and declared at the top of her lungs i am not an accident and and i remember that was the first time that the whole abortion pro-life versus pro pro-choice thing became real to me because at that moment i realized that this woman would not have been here. This woman would not have been able to speak into my life that day had her mother gone through with an abortion. I cannot fathom or imagine or will I pretend to being uh, set up to deal with those kind of circumstantial choices and and to be in that that uh, situation. You know, I I certainly don't want to act like it's easy for me to to comment on what it would be like to face that predicament. But I don't like it when, because I'm a male and because I can't understand or imagine that, that suddenly means that my voice is irrelevant to speak out for those who are voiceless. I reject that notion and I reject that argument, and I believe now more than ever before, more of us need to be willing to speak our voices. More of us who follow Christ need to be willing to fight for those who are oppressed, for those who are being uh, systematically killed and and an entire generation of millions of scientists potentially and athletes and politicians and 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 nurses and doctors and contributors to society have been un Able to live out their lives And give what they could have given to society well, God only knows uh, You know The lives that have been cut short The lives that were not able to be born into this world What our world has missed out on God only knows But this I do know The Lord knows each and every unborn child by name And I do believe uh, that each and every one of them matter to him Why do I believe that? Because scripture is very clear That God knew us before we were even born We are told in the, in the intimate, intricate ways In which God's hand fashioned and made made each of us in our mother's womb in Psalm 139 God says I have I have I've knit uh, people together in their mother's womb I've I've hand fashioned and made them there The Psalmist declared for you knit me together in my mother's womb I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made God is very clear in scripture that life does begin at conception and really I'd argue life began in the mind of God even before conception because many times God brags about that In the law of Moses if a woman that was pregnant was in any way, uh, you know, forced to miscarry by, by being abused or by being harmed. The law of Moses had that individual be charged and held responsible for killing a human life. So there's no question from a biblical perspective, even though I know there's some attempts at trying to get around the biblical implications of what scripture has to say for the sacredness of human life, it is unequivocally clear in the Bible that life in the womb is life. It's life in the eyes of God and it should be life in the eyes of society. Life is sacred because human life, human beings, are created in the image of God. And any time a society dehumanizes another class or another population, it makes it a lot easier to justify atrocities, genocides, holocausts. We've seen that. We've seen that many times throughout human history. We saw it through the holocaust in World War II as Jews and and gypsies and others that were deemed subhuman, that were deemed to be holding back the evolution of man, were systematically murdered. We've seen it through the institution of slavery, which was perpetuated in our culture and in the West for hundreds of years because slaves were not truly viewed as valuable or as human beings. They were only valuable in the sense of financial asset and wealth and property. They were denied the rights that were due to them as human beings. To me, Roe v. Wade is right up there with the 1857 Dred Scott decision by the Supreme Court, where Dred Scott, a slave, had sued for his freedom had sued in the Supreme court to be to be treated and viewed as 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 a, a free man because he had escaped from his slave owner and he wanted to be considered a, a human being who was worthy of rights who was worthy of respect and if you read the opinion of the Supreme court in that decision you can see just how wrong our society was and how it viewed blacks and and slaves and others to be subhuman to be less than valuable to to not deserve the rights of being human and we see that now in the context of abortion we see that now with the atrocity that has taken place since 1973 and what always uh, never ceases to amaze me as we continue to have these debates these discussions uh, uh, you know as as now because of the Texas law which came out recently uh, we see, the abortion issue at the forefront, epicenter of our cultural dialogue again. You know, the euphemisms that are used in this debate, the euphemisms that are used from those who defend, uh, you know, the pro-choice mantra is always what what always sticks out to me. You know, we always phrase this as choice when it's really about a child. You know, we always phrase this as reproductive rights and health care. And, and, and I hate to say this, but, you know, you can phrase it that way. But at the end of the day, it is about dismembering a kid in the womb. That's what it really amounts to. And and what I notice is there's a lot of of Christians who say they believe the Bible, say they follow Jesus, and yet defend the rights of of women or anybody to to do that. And and here's the thing: Proverbs 31 kind of makes that impossible, right? It kind of makes it so as believers, we're called to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. We're called to look out for the destitute, for those who are oppressed. And and in a moment, I'll acknowledge that I do think that applies to other. Groups and other situations that a lot of times pro-lifers don't like to to sometimes focus on or acknowledge, I, and I grant that from the other side. But whatever ceases to amaze me is that a lot of my more liberal friends are very passionate in speaking up for and defending the perceived rights uh, of others and and injustices. Some of them I think are real injustices. Some of them I think are are hyped up or amped up injustices. But regardless, the rights of others are always always put at the forefront and center of their cause. And And yet, when it comes to abortion, when it comes to the unborn, when it comes to a a population and class that I would say is the most vulnerable on when it comes to that group not only are they silent but they're they're advocating and pushing for the right to be able to kill a child and that's what it really is I mean I know we can say it's a clump of cells I've seen people say well until it's an entity that can be dependent on no one it's not really living Uh, and again I'd like to say well then throw your ventilators away and your feeding tubes because then if you go with that logic anyone who's on a feeding tube anyone who's on a ventilator is not really a living entity, or living thing. And the reality is we already are seeing what happens in our society when we dehumanize, when we devalue, and when we deny the basic rights that all of us as human beings made in the image of God are supposedly entitled to have. And we see that through physician-assisted suicide. We see that with how we treat the elderly. We see that with uh, those who, um, you know, deal with uh, genetic, you know, uh, issues where they are somehow looked down upon. And I shudder to think of a day, and I will never forget when we were uh, pregnant, My wife was pregnant. I wasn't pregnant. (laughs) But when we were about to have our first child, and I will never forget when they told us, you know, hey, if you get this test done, you can find out now if your child in the womb is going to have, you know, any of these other issues, and if they have those other issues, well... We knew what they were saying. You can kill them, and I and I remember how weird that felt, how strange that felt. That wow, we're 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 about to have our first son, and yet they're wanting us to take a test to determine whether or not you know if our son happened to be born with some kind of genetic uh, you know disability or issue or challenge that we would somehow not value him uh, or want him. And, uh, and I remember being struck by that and I'm like, man, I feel like we're living in Nazi Germany there for a second. And, uh, and of course we asserted, Hey, we're Christians and that's not an option for us um so you know uh, all the euphemisms aside uh, you know the reality is abortion is about killing kids and that's not new that's uh something that's gone back in in pagan times that that uh, would be done I mean babies would be sacrificed to molech and to pagan gods we just sacrifice it to convenience and choice and, and I know that the, those on the other side will often point to those rare circumstances and scenarios uh, where people are confronted with you know real health challenges to going through with a pregnancy or, or of course, cases of rape and, and, and incest. And again, I believe as Christians, we need to have compassion. We need to have understanding. We need to have sympathy. I don't believe any woman who has had an abortion uh, should be attacked. I think that they should be loved and, and, and should be shown compassion. Um, you know, I, I one of the things I'm I'm not a fan of the Texas law. You know, about is is the penalties it gives for basically anybody to become a, a, a vigilante with enforcing that law. I, I I'm all for saving the lives of the unborn, but I do have some reservations with certain aspects of the Texas law, and I will say that. But that being said, I do believe it's important that we as Christians refuse to be silent for those that cannot speak for themselves. Having been raised in the church and now been a pastor for several years. Many of us avoid the topic of abortion. We avoid it because, well, it's emotionally provoking. It's, it's many uh, people view it as a, a political issue and purely a political issue. But I don't. From a biblical perspective, I view it as a moral issue, a moral imperative. And I believe we as Christians have a biblical obligation to speak out, to speak up, to do more, to be engaged with this conflict because ultimately it is not a political or ideological conflict it is a spiritual conflict because satan is the one who comes to steal to kill and to destroy ultimately and 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 he masks and uses uh, different philosophies that are humanistic and that are ego driven that are self-centered and that are devoid and apart from the god of life who created us in his image Sadly, many pastors refuse to discuss or comment on this issue. Most of them won't go near it with a 10-foot pole. I remember when a couple of representatives came and knocked on the door of our church office and they came in and we had a meeting and they wanted to to, to talk to me about different pro-life things that were coming up and and to see if our church would be uh, interested in being visibly supportive of it. And I'll never forget just how shocked they were when we were absolutely willing to do that, because they said that they had knocked on several churches' doors, several of them Protestant, many even Evangelical Christian, that would say, biblically, we do believe that, but we're not going to get near that because it's controversial. And I'm sorry, but the gospel is controversial. The gospel is offensive. And unfortunately, as our culture continues to become increasingly hostile and antagonistic to Judeo-Christian values and beliefs, we are simply not going to be able to avoid getting into the mud much longer. And so uh, when it comes to what I would say is the greatest moral evil of our time, we definitely have an obligation to be willing to talk about it, to foster dialogue about it, and to get more involved in various ways to help combat the practice of abortion. Now, one thing I do have an issue with is And I have been kind of disappointed with the see is in the last several years, the pro-life movement has become increasingly political. I would certainly acknowledge that the pro-life cause has a political component to it. It certainly does involve combating laws that we find to be unjust, that we find to be immoral. Uh, we believe that, that life should be protected and valued and, and that one wrong doesn't equal you know, uh, the right to commit a wrong, particularly if you believe that abortion is, in fact, killing human life. And I just simply do not see, particularly with all the technology we now have, how anyone could go to a sonogram, go to a 3D sonogram, or or hear the heartbeat and not know that there is life there. I mean, there's a reason that the stats show that d- abortion is actually declining. Because the reality is, as more and more people look at what's really going on in the womb and how early it's going on we simply have less and less of a choice but to face the reality of what's really happening here. There's human life there and we are killing it. We are killing it when we have an abortion. And so the reality of that forces us, forces us, we know it's not a, just a clump of cells or a fetus or or, or nobody says, uh, hey, I'm going to a fetus shower tomorrow. I mean, we all know intrinsically Just as we intrinsically know there's a God, we intrinsically know there's human life in the womb. I mean, that's just a fact. We have conscience. We can sear that. We can justify. We can rationalize. But at the end of the day, that is what is going on. And so certainly, we're for laws and for uh, combating immoral and unjust laws. But at the same time, I am not a fan of seeing the pro-life cause be married to one particular political party platform or personality. I think that's dangerous. Um, the reality is that just a few decades ago, there were a large number of pro-life Democrats, for example, and there still are some pro-life Democrats. Um, but what I think has happened in the last few, I'd say five years or so is that the abortion debate has become so marred in politics. And now that our politics are so polarizing, We now only see it as a purely left versus right issue. And I think that's a tragedy because I think abortion is so much more than that. And I think that if we only view it through the lens of a political ideological cause, we lose sight of what it's really about and of what our ultimate goal should be for those of us who are pro-life. And that is to see abortion not only become illegal, but unthinkable for hearts and minds to be one. That is what I believe needs to happen. That's what works like Uncle Tom's Cabin helped do before the Civil War. Things like that helped change hearts and minds. When when Americans got to see what was going on in the South in the early 1960s with the civil rights movement and see the, the brute force that was used on people that were peacefully protesting and demanding the rights that the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and the Civil War got them, Americans were moved in their hearts. It helped win hearts and minds, and it led to the Voting Rights Act of 1965. There is a reason why hearts and minds ultimately have to be won. And I, for one, believe through the move of the Holy Spirit, through the work and love of the church, through increased involvement in all stages of life, and not only to be concerned and focused with what's happening in the womb, the pro-life cause can help further win hearts, and minds. I am pro-life in the old school meaning of the word. I believe that all human life from conception through to natural death is sacred and is worthy of protection, of being valued, of being defended. I believe in the dignity of all human life. And that is from conception to natural death. And always often what you see with this debate is you see You see, one crowd seems to care about what's going on in the womb, or at least is perceived to only care about what's going on in the womb. But ignore the plight of others. Ignore the plight of other classes of people that are suffering inhumane circumstances or challenges. Or, flip side, you have uh, people that are very vocal for the rights of everyone else except for the unborn. And as a Christian, I believe God loves and cares for all of them, for all of us. Jesus died for all of humanity. He died for every single human being born and unborn. He knows every single human being born and unborn. He loves every single human being born and unborn. And, and he values every single human being born and unborn. I do believe Christians need to do more to be there for those who are wrestling with or are contemplating an abortion or having to go through a pregnancy. I believe the church needs to do more. And I believe we need to be consistent in our messaging here. I recall not too long ago, just a few years ago, when a I- Christian school uh, was, was in the news, not too far from where I live, because in their beliefs, they're clear, as I agree with, that sex belongs in the context of heterosexual marriage and premarital sex is a sin. When a high school senior did, in fact, get pregnant out of wedlock, but chose to keep the baby, she seemed to be unfairly singled out for that sin. She seemed to be mistreated by that school she did decide to go through with the pregnancy she kept the baby she chose life over death and yet she was unfairly ostracized and was not treated right or proper by that school and unfortunately that is often the case we must be consistent yes certainly we're not to condone sin but human life all human life we believe is fearfully and wonderfully made and god says His works are wonderful. They're wonderful. That means that baby that was born out of wedlock is wonderful and should be loved and should be valued. We don't need to condone sin, but we do need to show compassion. And that includes for those who have gone through with having abortions in the past. Jesus Christ wants to bring healing, wants to bring wholeness, wants to bring forgiveness and redemption. And we, as His church, are called to help fulfill the mission he has given to each one of us to play the part we can play in helping to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so this this topic is complicated. It's sensitive. It's it's, uh, not something that one podcast episode is going to in any way solve. But I do believe this. I believe that Christians cannot sit on the sidelines on abortion. I believe abortion is by far the greatest moral evil of our time. I believe that we are obligated biblically to be willing to speak out to show up, to be there as the church in this topic, in this issue. And I also believe that it's got to be ultimately about winning hearts and minds to see abortion not only become illegal, but to become unthinkable. And so I wanted to leave you first with the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer who was a pastor in Nazi Germany who refused to be silent at what he saw of what was taking place as the church compromised and caved in to Hitler and his power, and of course as the evils of the Holocaust and other things were, were occurring. He said this, Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. May we not unwittingly become partakers of the greatest moral evil of our time. And again, when I say evil, I'm talking about the act, the barbaric act, because it is barbaric, of killing children in the womb. But I am not talking about the mothers. I am not talking about people. We need to remember, if we want to win hearts and minds, we're not going to do it by simply putting a pro-life bumper sticker on the back of our car. We're not going to do it just by by getting into an online social media debate. We're going to do it by speaking the truth in love and having our actions back up our words. So I leave you with the words of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14. May you stand firm in your faith and let everything that you do be done in love. God bless.